Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I'm Chad Norman, Interactive Communications Manager here at BlackBot and your host for this nonprofit technology podcast. This is episode 35 for March 2nd, 2010. On today's show, we'll be taking a look at how social media was used in the Haiti disaster. We'll touch probably a little bit on mobile giving through that, and we'll preview some of the nonprofit content at the upcoming South by Southwest Interactive Festival. Before we get into the good stuff, let's meet today's panel. Joining us from the National Wildlife Federation, it's the Social Media Outreach Coordinator, Danielle Bridget. Hello, hello. Yes, welcome back <laughs> to the show. Thanks for having me back. Yes. How's it going up there? Everything well? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I saw some wildlife. They actually used my car as a bathroom, so it's great. Yes, up close and personal. I like it. Great. Right. It's interactive. Mm-hmm. That's what we're here to talk about anyway. So, great. Joining us again is uh, Wendy Harmon, the social media manager at the American Red Cross. Welcome back to the show, Wendy. Thanks so much for having me back. I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're super busy, which is uh, what we're going to talk about today, hopefully. So, David Neff, also returning. David is the founder of Lights Camera Help, and he is the senior digital strategist at Ridgewood Associates. Welcome back to the show, David. Thanks for having me, Chad. Yeah. And also joining us today for the first time is Mr. Aaron Foss, the founder of Prelude Interactive. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Thank you, Chad. Are you in Austin as well? I am. Nice. Cool. Well, let's go ahead and get right into it. Again, I really invited Wendy here to talk about how social media was used, specifically at the Red Cross during the Haiti disaster and also in general. So I thought we could start at the beginning. You know, let's just sort of say the earthquake has just sort of happened. How did we see social media first emerge after the event? Let's see. The earthquake happened at about 4.50-something on a Tuesday afternoon. And I was honestly, like, gathering up my stuff and getting ready to sneak on out of here. And uh, I heard overheard some coworkers saying, oh, there's been an earthquake in Haiti. So I sat back down. And uh, I hadn't actually gotten up yet. But uh, I was thinking about it really hard. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. Uh, just thought, well, that's not going to be good. So uh, we watched. We always, when things like this happen, like uh, the the typhoon in the Philippines uh, a few months ago and the earthquake in China last year or two years ago now, um, Mm -hmm. we see a a huge response usually on Twitter uh, right away. And so I started watching that in the same way that I watch um, Red Cross and everything related to Red Cross all day long on on Twitter and Facebook and in blogs. And and, uh, at the same time, we've had a uh, mobile marketing group that's been working together internally here for about six months. But this entire text thing was quite honestly an accident. So, well, not an accident. It was on purpose, but we hadn't <laughs> planned for it specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the State Department actually reached out to MGIV, which we had already been talking to as well, and suggested that we set up a short code. And so in a fury of, of emails and, and decisions, we were able to get it up and going right away within three hours of, wow. of the earthquake happening. And so we were able wow. to go ahead and tweet and since it was so easy and kind of a new, simple way to give, you know, it just, oh, oh, we didn't have to do anything but that one tweet and one Facebook uh, status update, and it was off to the races. So mm-hmm. you sort of know you have a success even in the face, you know, the face of this enormous tragedy and because of the, you know, the, enorm- the enormous tragedy. People in America are very generous. Yeah, absolutely. It really bowled me over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those numbers are, I mean, what are the, the last thing I read was uh, over 20 million with over 2 million people 32 donating. 32 million 32, at this yeah. point Whoa. for Haiti, yeah. Insane. Jeez. 
yeah. all in, in $10 increments. Which I is know. Pretty incredible. <laughs> and that's 90999, uh, by the way, if you uh, text Haiti there, if you haven't done it already to anyone listening. Um, did right. everybody here do it? I'm just curious. You don't have to. I certainly did. No one wants to admit I have to I, uh, I didn't admit that I have not done it. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> because I only have a Red Cross issued phone for okay. work. So I, you know, if we all were doing that, it wouldn't really. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be well. donating so, through Red Cross. <laughs> Two Red Cross. Interesting. So just, yeah, right. Wendy, Wendy, did you say 32 million? 32 million. I did. Wow. And that's so that 3.2 million individual donations at $10, $10 a pop. Wow. Good gosh. Yeah. Impressive. So that, so just to backtrack. So that was your first instinct was like, okay, this is happening. We've got to get some sort of, uh, you know, giving, whether that be mobile giving into place, ready to go. Yeah. And I'll tell you what was really, Haiti has been, it was, has been since it happened a very unique situation. And well, we noticed after the, the typhoon in the Philippines that, the people were so much faster than we could ever be. Okay. And so we had made an internal decision between when that happened and this happened that uh, we would, we used to always have to wait for the host national society to say, Hey, we need help. But okay. we knew that Haiti wasn't going to do that because right. they weren't, they, they just weren't going to be able to even say we need help. Uh-huh. So we just were able to immediately release funds from our international response fund. And so we were able to have a, an immediate designation and let people go ahead and give uh, because it was very clear very early on that they were going to need a lot of help. Right. And what other kind of activity were you doing, say, on, on Facebook and Twitter, um, in addition to sending out the message about uh, the SMS giving? Were you sort of fielding questions? Were you sort of sourcing iReports? You know, like what, was go- what, what else was going on? Yeah, we did all of that. We have what we call our disaster online newsroom. Uh, it's at newsroom.redcross.org, and we keep we put as much information as we can possibly get our grubby hands on mm-hmm. about any Red Cross relief that's happening on on that site. And so, if you were to go there now, you look in the right hand column, and you'll just click like Haiti earthquake, and you can see everything that we had. So, you know, whenever we could get any statistic or piece of information about our relief efforts there, it's posted there. And so, we sort of share that information on. So our strategy on Twitter from at Red Cross is provide people with preparedness tips and really try to be as valuable as possible. We hardly ever do fundraising asks there, so it's all very... But in this case, the demand, we weren't necessarily talking to our clients or people who needed our help. We were mostly talking to the millions of donors, and they were demanding that information. So we we give the people what they want. Nice. Does anybody else want to jump in there with anything as far as, um, you know, what, what you first noticed in, in, the, in the few hours after the, uh, after the earthquake? Well, I was actually in San Francisco, which was unusual because I had been fearing earthquakes. And then <laughs> I think either the day before, or, like the day I was there, it happened. And I was on my way to visit with Beth Cantor. And like, I get a call from her or something. And she's like, we might have to help Wendy. <laughs> 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 so nice. um and so i was like oh and so i brought my laptop and i was like all ready to do something but i'm just interested to know you know what what you were doing and kind of how many hours in a day you were working and as a social media person for an organization like this like what because <laughs> i i've read an article or two about your ceo i want to say but i'd love to hear like you know personal account from Wendy Harmon. Yeah, agree. Yeah, were you sleeping under the desk or in a break room? You know, like <laughs> did they send yeah, any like I, initial I, response to you to right. save you? <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. There were a couple of times when I brought my blow up bed in okay, here, nice, and I didn't sleep all that much for the first two weeks, two and a half weeks. Oh, uh, wow. 
but we had so much help um, because we had spent so much time internally teaching everyone about social media and we have such a great um, nonprofit tech community out there. You know, people like Danielle and uh, Rachel Weidinger and Beth all stepped up and said, how can we help you? And so they were super great, especially in those early days when it was heartbreaking and really tiring. And we have, you know, this network of 600 chapters and all of them are super interested in in using the social web or, or being a part of the social web. So they were all extremely helpful. That's awesome. And, and you survived. Wendy, my, I have a, Wendy, I have a, a, a question for you on, uh, on the, on the technical side of it, I guess there was some stuff where, and, and I've heard different things, but did you, it sounded like you guys already had something in place or did you go talk to the carriers for the text to give on top of what you already had in place? Because I heard different things. And I mean, it's just such an astounding number, you know, for one, you know, application service provider to handle. So, so I'm hearing things like you guys just went and talked to Sprint directly or AT&T directly, or did it all go through your mobile giving company? It all went through MGIV. We have had oh, wow. conversations okay. cool. with them. I mean, because the public started pressuring all of the carriers to waive their fees and everything. So uh, MGIV right. stepped forward and they donated this entire thing to us, which I think would normally cost a, a pretty and we have had in the past a program we call Text to Help for domestic disasters, and that was a partnership with the Wireless Foundation, also all donated. But the most we had ever raised for that was during the 08 hurricane season, and it was $190,000. And we thought that was great. Wow. So, you know, this is just a whole nother level. It was just time. The, re- the people were ready. Yeah, this definitely did seem like, I wouldn't say mobile giving is coming out party, but Definitely. I mean, this is the biggest that's ever been implemented at, you know, at this scale. Is this something that's going to, you're just going to have, you know, ready going forward now and, uh, you know, just a model that you can just flip a switch and turn on? Yeah. I mean, now MGIV is not going to want to do that for free every single time, right. I, I would imagine. <laughs> so we'll have to iron out, you know, we sort of went on good faith agreements with them and everything has worked out great so far. So uh, we've been able to post negotiate everything. But yeah, I, I think that, you know, it's not going to, in the, in the, the very near future, this won't be a special way to give. It'll be another way that people have to give. So, you know, whether it's online or making a phone call or mailing a check or yeah. punching in a number and texting. Right. So, I was curious if you were able to, I assume there's a lot of interest going into, you know, can I volunteer? Can I give something other than money? Was there a lot of that happening through social media? And were you able to you know, answer those questions and get people connected quickly? Or was it simply too much? I mean, there were an amazing amount of those. And unfortunately for international disasters are very complicated for us as an organization. I mean, not in this way, because we need to work through our international federation. So we're all a network of Red Cross societies in every, almost every country, there's a Red Cross society. Mm -hmm. So the Haitian uh, Red Cross, we try to keep everything as local as possible. So the Haitian Red Cross society actually has a few thousand volunteers and people coming forward to help so we sent a very minimal amount of people and staff in because they just take up resources and they have to eat and they have to sleep somewhere. So we tried to keep it as streamlined as possible. Plus we send people, we do trainings like maybe twice a year for our international disaster volunteers and they're super trained. So you can't really just come off the street and, and help right. out. We're trying, I'm trying to figure out good ways that we could really use all of this willingness to help in other ways from from home or whatever. 
but uh, we haven't we haven't ironed that out very well yet. Did, did you read about uh, what the um, the extraordinaries were doing? They had a couple micro voluntary options that were that were available. Like uh, they were having people do image tagging for images that were coming out of Haiti, just because there was such a volume at first, wow. and uh, being able to you know reach out to the public and and just you know tag this photo as like a child or you know someone that's injured or you know a, a neighborhood location or whatever. And they also did um, something that's called the Matcher, where it matches missing people, like photos of missing people with photos that are just coming out of Haiti, you know, like of people just walking on the streets. I, just in my research, I did, those are a couple of cool examples of of ways that. They were, they were using sort of social media to find people out there that could help, like you said, from their desks. Yeah, that, that I did see that. It was, it's totally amazing. And, you know, I've been really inspired by the Tweak the Tweet people and the Ushahidi people and even uh, all of the crisis camps that right. have sprung up to, to help. And I've I actually been to a few of them trying to become more techie myself and, and figure out this. But there's so many opportunities with them. And they, when you get there, there are several people who are project managers, so people who have expressed an interest in solving a problem. When I went, there were crisis mappers. There were people, since Hades had not totally wiped out, they were trying to remap what, what the actual situation was. Hmm. Uh, and then there was the crisis wiki where they, they were having people fill in all of the different resources uh, that are possibly available in Port-au-Prince and in Haiti and actually all over the world so that they're prepared for other events. We're trying to plug into that as much as possible. I, I think that's amazing that an a, you know, organization as big as the Red Cross, too, would actually say, you know, something like Crisis Camp, which is totally, you know, free-flowing, organized on the fly type of thing, that they would say, yeah, you know, we want to be a part of that. We want to go. We want to send somebody and represent ourselves at things like crisis camp, you know, that's very, very forward thinking for an organization that big. Well, Not to mention, I mean, it didn't, that's my thinking, Dave. I don't know if it's everyone else. And not to mention, but I mean, you guys have donated to other organizations that go in and like do practice medicine and stuff like that with some of the money you've gotten because you guys are like initial relief. Right. But you've, you've, you've stepped up and like helped out other organizations. It's neat. Yeah, I, we're going to be developing long-term programs and and uh, making sure that you know we use all that money the most efficient way we possibly can. So, well, I think you know disasters and having to react quickly does lend itself to innovative approaches towards dealing with things. Like you said, that's not traditionally something like a, an organization like Red Cross would, would get into. And I kind of noticed that with the news coverage as well, compared to the Iran election, where they would report stuff from social media and put lots of disclaimers. This is just coming in from Twitter. We haven't vetted this, whatever. This time around, I felt like things were just coming straight into the newsroom, getting right on my television, meaning that these traditional like sort of media outlets have eased up on how they see these things. And they realize, hey, we have to go faster. We have to integrate this content quicker and not worry about so much where it's coming from. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're kind of silly with the amount that they're pulling from social right. media. Sites. <laughs> it's like they're not, they're not doing any of their own reporting anymore. Right. Uh, <laughs> it, it's kind of funny to watch. Well, Becoming I mean, like Beth Cantor says, like, like air. Right. But I noticed, yeah, in Iran, though, I mean, they kept like, literally, they would talk about Twitter for 30 seconds and they'd have seven disclaimers in there in that 30 seconds. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm, I just, that seems to be going away. Well, and it's, maybe that the audience is getting more sophisticated. We all know, Could be. Yeah. I think yeah. for the most part, that, you know, you take these things with a grain of salt and, and go and figure out if it's actually true, but it's one person's account. And so, you know, you believe that opinion. That's true. And I guess it may be a difference too. Iran people were, were on the ground already here. That wasn't the case. There were some people there, but 
nobody was able to really get in easily. Communication was down. The port was destroyed. You know, I think it seems like it took a while for Anderson Cooper to actually get there. <laughs> yeah, it was hard. I think it was hard to get there. <laughs> I'm curious. I wonder how much penetration social media has into Chile. You know, if the populace there is actually using these tools in a widespread way and, and what will come out of that. That's a good question. I've read some articles that suggest that the population of Chile is like as one of the most active countries in the world on social media. So I think they've been using it like crazy. Yeah. Wendy, a a question for you. So if, how'd you guys deal with maybe people wanting to donate in other countries or, or, or things like that internationally? And then the other, I mean, you know, we, we talked a lot about the U S response on texting and donations and things like that. But, you know, obviously there's people who uh, want to donate from all over the world when they saw this. And, and, and so how do you guys handle all that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's what is the blessing and the curse of social media, right, worldwide. So, right. I mean, we just had to manage everyone's expectations. The wire, You know, there it was only the U.S. wireless carriers that were doing it. So they couldn't, it, it was physically impossible for anyone else to, to donate. And because we're part of this global network of Red Cross societies, we're actually not supposed to be fundraising in other countries because we're then taking money away from that Red Cross. So uh, we just pointed everybody to the best of our ability to their own national society. And I think almost everyone was raising funds for Haiti. So uh, there was usually a way to to at least give them an option for, for helping. Cool. And you're sleeping regularly now? <laughs> right. How are you doing? <laughs> well, there was, yeah. I'm doing just fine. I'm, uh, yeah. I can't complain. It was, uh, I was very devastated. It was, uh, it was harder emotionally than I thought something like that might be. I, I hadn't been through such an enormous disaster before. And it was, it was tough in some days to, to hear so many heartbreaking stories. So right. I, I feel good about my work these days. And then how do you feel things are going down there? Is it, you know, is the, has the effort been sort of sustainable? I mean, um, one of, uh, Jeff Linson, uh, blogged a little bit about, uh, five lessons learned from Haiti. And his fifth one was, uh, um, the immediacy and impact are not the same, talking about how we saw such a such a quick and, and rapid focus on the issue, and then it sort of, you know, backed off a little bit as we move forward. Can you speak a little to that? Yeah, things are things are getting there. That's that's what always happens. You know, it's the it's the life cycle of a of a news story. So right. I think, you know, people genuinely do care. It's just that it's hard to care in a sustained right. way for so many weeks. Um, so, you know, that's what we're here for. And, you know, many times we're we're at a site for months and months longer than anyone of the news cares to cover. So if you went hmm. down there today, you'd see us, you know, all over the place providing all kinds of services. So on we go. I think it's just that the news tapers off a little bit. Right. And it'll probably stay on this, you know, at least periodically for for a year because it was an enormous event. But. It was. I mean, I assume this is the biggest thing you've dealt with since you've and your tenure yeah. with the Red Cross, right? For sure. Yeah. Um, now, I know Jordan blogged a little bit about fundraising fraud. Is there anything that you uh, keen minds could help our listeners being able to determine what's what's good and what's bad with all the chatter that was out there? I mean, she talked about, you know, obviously avoiding newly formed charities, not giving to the Haitian government directly. There are some bad people out there, and they're always going to try to take advantage of situations like this. So, my, I mean, my best piece of advice is to, you know, if you see something that you think you'd like to give to, Go to the actual website of the charity of your choice and make sure that that form of giving is listed on on their site and is endorsed by them. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, then I, I probably wouldn't do it. <laughs> what about in the mobile arena? I mean, was there any like scams where it's like text, you know, nine 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 zero nine, you know, <laughs> text Haiti to that number instead, <laughs> you know? 
<laughs> I, 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 we didn't see any of that, although we were looking very closely. Sure. So, uh, I, you know, I have no doubt it's only a matter of time before something like that happens, but hopefully. Yeah, not. I know that um, I thought I saw something about that, too, about the actual, you know, text, like just what, Chad, just what you just said. Uh-huh. Uh, and people are like, no, don't do that. That's a scam. And yeah, you know, it's very interesting for somebody to do analysis on how easy people get confused by those numbers and who they're texting and things like that. And but also, I, you know, and, and maybe Aaron or, or Chad or Danielle uh, being pretty technical on this call can figure this out. But how would you actually how would you use that? Because you'd have to pay for a short text code, wouldn't you, on top of trying to rip people off, which is not uh, a cheap thing to do, right? Yeah. yeah, you'd have to get it all set up. I mean, but however, I don't know that there's anything technically illegal about it unless you're misrepresenting yourself. But right. In that case, you're not. You're just relying on somebody's, you know, thumbs <laughs> while they're typing, yeah. just to type in there. sort of like, you know, having a URL for like utobe.com. And just, <laughs> right. You know. Yeah, I think there would, there would be a paper trail, whether or not it, it's that gray area with a similar, if you intentionally get a similar code, I think that'd be something they'd be on the lookout for. But I mean, everybody wants those memorable codes, so they're all going to be pretty similar. Right. I will tell you a funny story. I guess if you spell the word Haiti wrong, but you're pretty close, uh, we would write back and say, did you mean Haiti? Ah. <laughs> like Google respell stuff. Where, nice. You know, it's wow, nice. So it still works, even I if like you're that. not a good speller. No, I was just going to say, what other way do you spell it? <laughs> With a Y at the end, Danielle? Come on. Oh. Okay. <laughs> like trying to think. It's not that many letters. But. I just wanted to throw something out there. In a couple of years, this may be around the corner, but does anybody use services like Aardvark? It's I do. like I Cha-Cha. Yeah, that's, that? it's an interesting one. Um, I For Aardvark, I signed up for Aardvark, and that's it's it's definitely interesting. Yeah. I've got it linked to my Google, and if a question comes up, um, I'll try and respond. Mm-hmm. You guys want to explain yeah. what Aardvark is? Um, there, there are a couple of these that are meant to, it's like, use your social network to get questions answered. Okay. And it, so it's, you know, the network of the school you went to or the city you live in or places you've worked, that kind of thing. It goes a couple hops beyond, like, your Twitter or Facebook network. But it's just really good at figuring out what topic your question is and then routing that question to, you know, I, I asked a bunch of questions about doing my taxes and I got, you know, it takes a couple hours or a day, but I got you know, three or four very informed answers back each time. Um nice. And I, I bring it up in the context of, of uh, you know, natural disasters, the Ushadihi, which you mentioned, uh, they had a really cool thing going where you could help translate some of the Haitian Creole texts that were coming out of the country, um, Ooh, where nice. maybe people were trying to describe their location or indicate what they needed and where they were. You know, I thought it was wonderful, but I didn't know, uh, I didn't know that language. And so I think, you know, the more intelligence that goes into routing those needs to the right expertise, I think that'd be a great way for people who aren't in country and can't get there to, to help out. Yeah, it's another great example of sort of, you know, distributive work, you know, not just uh, donating, um, not just reporting, but actually getting stuff done via, via these networks after disaster. It's really cool stuff. And, and that's actually interesting because I signed up to kind of serve as a resource for people in terms of, you know, the environment and other issues like um, solar technology and stuff like that because I've been trying to position NWF as a resource, but I hadn't even really thought about it in terms of you know disaster or even reaching out to other people. I mean, that that's really neat, and I, I would like to see Aardvark kind of go into that because right now the way it is is I get a question and I'll randomly answer it if I have time or if I'm there. 
because it right. routes to my Google Talk, and uh, <laughs> and I'll try and help it out. But that's definitely the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be cool way maybe, to, get, to mobilize people on the ground too to do stuff. You know, not just answer questions, but you know, get things routed to the right people that can actually like walk over to where you are, or you know, actually, I have a pickup truck. Yeah, I'm on my way. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, right. I usually I ask questions like, how do I get David Neff and Wendy and Chad and Aaron to like notice me, you know. Right, right sure. Um, <laughs> and their answers are so ambiguous. <laughs> yeah. Is it is it a lot like uh, Google Answers from back in the day? If you guys remember that, it's. I'm trying to remember what Google Answers was like. Um, similar to Yahoo. There was answers? another. There have been a couple. There have been a couple sites similar from the way I'm using it, but I think what we're suggesting is like take it a step beyond and really kind of because i mean yeah it's it's the way i've been using it is is kind of like a yahoo answer or google answer thing but that's not i don't think the full capability i think there might be more filtering and also the fact that there's less chaff and advertising i think because as far as i know the questions and answers aren't published publicly they kind of remain in in your private little sphere and so there's less there's less incentive to just you know, make stuff up and misguide the, the conversation. Cool. Well, let's, uh, should we talk a little bit about South by Southwest, the upcoming uh, geek spring break for next week uh, that I know three of the five, three out of five of us are excited about though. Uh, the, Wendy and uh, Danielle, you were there last year, but uh, not going this year. So what are we excited, I'm excited about? about it. I'm just not going. It's true. Yeah. I mean, of all the conferences, this <laughs> guys- is one you can probably ingest from, uh, from afar pretty easily. I mean, what are we excited to see? I know there's always such a. I was really surprised last year. That was my first time at how much uh, nonprofit content there was there. And there's definitely some big sessions. I know, David, uh, you're doing a session, right? Uh, yes, I'm actually uh, doing two oh. sessions this year, which is really cool. Nice. You got crowdsourcing innovative social change on my birthday? Yes. <laughs> Did you say it's on your birthday? Yes, I'll expect a cake up front. And, uh... <laughs> I will uh, make you a cake when we do Real Housewives of Social Media at Intent. Okay? okay, sweet. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> really looking forward to it uh, with Beth and, and Amy Sample Ward uh, and, and, and Carrie from the Case Foundation. So uh, I think that'll be a really neat panel. And then I was really lucky to actually be on a, a film panel as well this year oh, cool. about uh, nonprofits focusing on on good through films, and that's the Lights Camera Help fellows as well as YouTube uh, and Beverly uh, from the Life Is Good Network. So uh, between those two, I, I think it will be a very very busy South by Southwest. Nice. Is that in the film part of the festival, or is that interactive? Uh, so one is in interactive right. and one is in okay. film, nice. which is, it's pretty cool to be speaking for the first time ever at, at both of those. Right. Nice. Um, what else? There's some other good ones. There's a digital marketing for nonprofits, which is, uh, looks pretty interesting. There's a good one about Kiva that I think Michael Servino is a part of. I know we have a panel about uh, debunking the myth of social media fundraising. That got uh, we got Stacy Monk coming from Tweets Giving and um, Brooke from Livestrong, and I'm so excited about that. What else? Any other sessions that maybe aren't nonprofit related that uh, maybe some nonprofit listeners might want to go check out? Anything? I'm excited to go uh, try to meet the InfoChimps folks. Ah, nice. They they do a great job of finding and then publishing and maintaining really large data sets uh, for nerds like me and yeah. for research purposes and stuff like that. And I think that there's a big opportunity there for hint, hint, large nonprofits um, to, you know, help publish a lot more of the data that they've collected, you know, mm. over the over the many years. And I think that 
being more open about that can really do the sector a lot of good. Really enjoyed the um, the the reports that I think Steve McLaughlin has been publishing. I don't know if he's the one who prepares them, but um, yeah, yeah, there's a ton of great stuff in there, um, and you guys are really sitting on a priceless treasure trove. Uh, and any large nonprofit is really they've been collecting data in the right way. There was a there's a cool one that I actually thought was uh, pretty interesting for nonprofits and maybe even the people on this call, but it was the rules of brand fiction from uh, Twittering, and so all the folks who actually run the Mad Men accounts uh, on Twitter and and they're going to talk about you know how they're taking these fictional characters but turning them into real people on Twitter and how they respond and take comments. Uh, of course, which is something we've seen a lot with the True Blood people where, uh -huh. you know, Suki Sackhouse from True Blood has 80,000 followers, even though that's not a real person. So, you know, I, I think for people like Danielle and, and John Dunn at Best Friends and, and uh, you know, other people who are not only themselves on Twitter, but they're also running a brand on Twitter. I think that's a really interesting panel. Uh, and I hope I can make that one and, and just check out how these people are actually, you know, pretending they're someone else to gain <laughs> followers and promote a show and things like that. Right. And then you will relay the information to me. Right? <laughs> I will. You should be on that panel. That's what I'm going to suggest. I'm just going to get up in the middle of it and be, <laughs> I'll be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love all the creative pitches during questions. That's always such, such an art in South by Southwest. Uh, anybody you guys are going to be stalking? Like, I'm a huge Gary Vee fan, so um, <laughs> definitely going to be trying to track you to him down again this year. See, Does that Beth Cantor count as, like, stalking? Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I, may, I definitely was stalking her last year. I got to meet her for the first time. Uh, what about the keynotes? Uh, we've got Ev Williams from Twitter. I think uh, the, the data nerd uh, folks out there, especially Aaron on this call, Dana Boyd speaking this year and, and – if you guys remember, Dana was doing like PhD work on Friendster like, okay. way back in the day. And I, I always quote Dana in a ton of the presentations that I do. So I'm really looking forward to hers. Yeah, me too. Nice. Tony Shea was great last year. That was one of the favorite keynotes I've ever been to. David, do you want to give us an update on uh, Lights, Camera, Help? We're actually uh, going. We've got our 501c3 application in. Uh, the IRS cashed our check. Nice. Which, you know, I have to assume is a good thing. Uh, you know, we're kind of expecting to get a couple questions back just because that's the normal process. But other than that, we're moving forward. Um, everybody listening, I would love to have some beta testing help with Lights, Camera, Help. Okay. Uh, and, and that goes for you guys on the phone as well as, as you know, being super power users, uh, is we actually have our volunteer match service up. Uh, and you can go to lightscamerahelp.org and click on volunteer match and what we're Doing what we're asking people to do is actually go in and, and sign up. Uh, the way that works is we actually hook up nonprofits with creative volunteers. So we're looking for filmmakers, editors, writers, musicians. Um, you know, I know all of you on this phone can write really well. You run these social media accounts and blog. Uh, and so if you guys want to sign up on the creative side, that would be great. And then we're looking for nonprofits that have projects that need help. And of course, we're going to kind of clear out a lot of this data. So feel free to put stuff in and, and we're just testing out the alpha right now. Uh, and that's our, our volunteer match program at lightscamerahelp.org. Nice. 
Well, I love that concept of collaboration like that. It reminds me of like the day of service and I'm working with our social media club here in Charleston. We're actually planning a couple sessions this year where we're going to match people, you know, businesses and organizations in town with social media experts to, to do little one-on-one workshops. So, um, yeah, I love that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, no, I, I'd love to have you in there, Chad, uh, and, and definitely go and, and check it out and, and hopefully we can get a bunch of people to just test out the system, you know? This link's working, this link's not working, and, and things like that. Nice, sweet. All right. What was the uh, URL again? Just for it's, everyone. It's uh, lightscamerahelp.org. Great. Uh, and then you'll see volunteer match right on the front of the website. And we just relaunched our, uh, our new look and feel as well. Great. Sounds awesome, David. I really appreciate you being on the show today. Um, Thanks, you can definitely check out David at uh, 50wonderful.org or follow him at twitter.com slash daveiam. Great username, by the way. Um, yeah. Aaron, what do you have yep. to plug and give a shout out to? Doing too many things at once, just like everybody who's listening, who's probably at work listening to the podcast and, you know, downloading spreadsheets all at the same time. But um, <laughs> I've been doing some really cool work with, uh, with social actions. They kind of aggregate volunteer and donation opportunities from around the web. They've got a really cool API, and we're going to try to help them um, – filter their action packs a little better. Uh, so, you know, topic area, the environment or health or something like that. Um, they tag a bunch of actions you can take and then and publish them on Twitter and other places. Um, and, you know, we want to help them manage those uh, more efficiently. So um, that's been a really interesting project. Yeah, my big, uh, my biggest nonprofit client is through their busy season. So I'm sleeping a little more, which is sort of the norm around here, I guess, until South buys business is booming it's it's a great time to be in the nonprofit tech community i still love it it's been two years so <laughs> glad to hear it great well i appreciate being on the show i'd love to have you back sometime and um definitely look forward to seeing you in, i guess next week um, at the big show definitely keep up with uh aaron at uh preludeinteractive.com or at uh, twitter.com slash aaron foss and that's e-h-r-e-n-f-o-s-s so thanks for being on the show aaron thank you Ken. yeah wendy I know we kind of talked about a lot of your amazing stuff uh, earlier, but uh, what do you guys have on the horizon? What would you like to talk about from the American Red Cross? You know, we're we're still going to be working in Haiti pretty intensely for a long while, and you know, we'll we're we're still figuring out exactly how we're going to be working in Chile, and you know, still breathing a sigh of relief that the tsunami yes didn't turn out to be much of anything, and uh, hoping that no more catastrophic disasters happen anytime soon. Indeed, so that we can get back to planning for some cool apps and that kind of stuff. Right. Great. Well, if people still want to, to uh, give an easy $10 donation to Haiti, how can they do so? Text the word Haiti to 90999. Nice. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being back on the show. I hope you'll come back again thank in the future. You, you can uh, check out uh, what Wendy's been up to at uh, redcross.org or um, twitter.com slash W-H-A-R-M-A-N. That's W Harmon. Thanks, Wendy. Uh, Danielle. What's going on? Oh, are you, know, are you, you still know. being out there? Yeah, that's that's the idea. Um, actually, <laughs> so March 15th through the 21st, like I've been saying, is National Wildlife Week. And we're encouraging people to be out there at home, school, and play. And if you go to nwf.org slash National Wildlife Week, you can see cool downloadable activities. And this is if you feel like being extra wildlife friendly. Which, you know, even if you are the biggest tech nerd and you are inside all the time, you should bring your laptop outside <laughs> that week because there is a world out there and it's awesome. I just actually saw Avatar over the over the weekend. Uh, yeah? which is, and I, I was so glad that I wore dark glasses because I seriously, like, 
just silently cried pretty much the whole movie, which is ridiculous because it's so cheesy anyway. But anyway, um, yeah, but I was like, man, why can't, how do I make people realize how beautiful our world is, yeah. you know, even though it's not 3D? I mean, and... telepathic trees would help, but oh, yeah, I know, that, I know. it's going to be tough. Or <laughs> I was joking with Kristen, actually, and she was saying that if I had a long braid, I would hook it up to my computer. <laughs> <laughs> which, if you, which if you haven't seen Avatar, you should. Um, uh, just for knowing that reference. Because yeah, no I think she's pretty right. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. Uh, so that's that's my whole thing, is still getting people outside, still trying to figure out how to use social media to do it, and yes. um, still trying to, to have fun all at the same time, even though we're working on kind of serious issues if, if we could partner with the red cross and convince people that you know all these big disasters are somehow happening because of um you know neglect that would be good but <laughs> you let me know and and actually if i could if i could create a video that was worth watching i would give it to david i feel Aww. like um <laughs> we are not we are not the best we are definitely not the best at a you know kind of creating fun videos because our topic is serious but we're trying we're trying well what you uh, do is amazing you're a great advocate for uh especially for being outside like i said i'm, I'm your biggest fan i got a, well, a, i got I a green hour what? tattoo and everything yeah. oh yeah i'm totally gonna get one too um <laughs> we can get matching ones at n10 nice if you want. Um, <laughs> bring it <laughs> hey daniel do you follow uh, common squirrel on twitter oh well i you know i i've i've or yes of course i love common squirrel they're they're awesome and actually there was a so there was Squirrel Appreciation Day um, a few months back, and I wrote a post on it, and I tried to get Common Squirrel to get excited about it, but it just ran a bunch of junk. <laughs> nice. For those of you who haven't checked out Common underscore Squirrel, there it's pretty freaking funny. And there are several other wild animals that you can follow on Twitter, so they're nice. pretty fun. <laughs> I wonder if they're going to be at the brand fiction you know, the, the, the actual squirrel. Oh, yeah. I, see, I love that kind of stuff because, you know, I read Crime and Punishment kind of recently and I tweeted about, or I listened to it on tape actually, and I tweeted about it and Raskolnikov started following me like nice. immediately after that. And I was like, this is hilarious. <laughs> Who takes the time to like seriously do brand monitoring for <laughs> random <laughs> fictional characters? Wow. Um, yeah. I have to get a, a fictional rabies shot before seeing that session. So. Exactly. Nice. Soon, right. That's, that's what's going to happen to me. I'm going to become kind of crazy multi-personalities where I'll tweet from like 50 different species accounts. Oh, no. <laughs> you, you can only dream. <laughs> that's what's going to happen. I'm going to you know, start taking five-hour energies on top of each other, like just shots, and then just tweet like crazy. Wow. Um, <laughs> I know. It'll just be me on Twitter. <laughs> no. You need to document that. You talk about an award-winning film right there. Yeah, done and done and done. Multiple personality, Danielle, yes. we're calling. <laughs> Great. Well, Danielle, thanks for being on the show again today. Um, you can keep up with Danielle's work at nwf.org and follow her on twitter.com slash starfocus. Well, that does it for this episode of the podcast. I'd like to thank our guests, Danielle Brigida, Wendy Harmon, David Neff, and Aaron Foss. You can keep up with the podcast and other webby things by following me on Twitter at twitter.com slash chadnorman or by checking out my blog at blackbot.com slash webby things. If you have any feedback for us, please send us an email at thebodcast at blackbot.com. Until next time, I'm Chad Norman, and thanks for listening to the podcast. Mm-hmm.
Daniel's here as well. Sneak attack. Nice. <laughs> 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 there was She's down in Chile. I was on mute. I'm sorry. Oh, hello. Hi. <laughs> 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 we're gonna. <laughs> we talking that whole time? <laughs> nice. Yes, I was. <laughs> I can hear all of the snore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did he start bleeping me? Ooh, just randomly. <laughs> <laughs> really, just like a long string of bleeps. <laughs> She's really passionate. <laughs> Seriously, the <laughs> um, awesome <laughs> from Starbucks have been keeping me. <laughs> 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 <laughs>